You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey, Tim, are you Team Batman or Team Superman? Those dang superheroes off my lawn. Oh, Tech Fan 250. And it is Tech Fan Podcast number 250. We made it to 250, David. Yay! I have mini fireworks going off over my computer. Well, we got our theme music playing in this episode. I haven't been putting it in for the last, I don't know, few months. I don't know yep. why. I just, I mean, I like our theme music, but I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, let's just get to it. Yeah. But yeah. it's 250 episodes, you got to put it in. Now, we're we're both having a little bit of Skype issues. Actually, you're having, I don't seem to be having any. I hear you fine. But if it happens, this is the second time we started the show. Uh, if it happens, just let me know, and uh, we'll just keep going. Of course. So last week, and by the way, September 2010 is when we started the show. No, it's the new show. <laughs> it is still the new show, isn't it? <laughs> It feels like it, but yeah, you know, I know. 250 episodes seems longer to me than see September 2010 doesn't seem like it was all that long ago. Yeah, I know what you mean. I I, I do. Uh, you, we we kind of we're on we're on the mid 40s now, and so you don't count the years quite the same way no, you used to. But they kind of the decades blur together. <laughs> but figure each one of our episodes is roughly an hour long, give or take. Some of them, the last few have been longer. But there's been some that's come in at like 50 minutes. So, but yeah. let's just say an average of an hour. We've got roughly 250 hours worth of tech fan recorded. That's uh, that's a lot of talking. Uh, the figure Guy and Gaz over at the MyMac show, they just recorded the 600 episode. So there's well over 600 hours of the MyMac podcast. That's an awful lot of goofing around. That is a lot of sound effects. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> they do love their soundboards over there. Uh, Scott Wilsey uh, said on Twitter he loved my rotary phone sound effect from last week. That was, was good. I didn't listen to the episode back, so I didn't hear how good it came out. Live and spontaneous as well. That was probably what made it even better. Yeah, well. <laughs> so we all, was, we all knew it wasn't a bit. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't a bit. I was on my yeah. iPhone going, this would be a good sound effect right here. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, we got, I, we got quite a bit of feedback from our, uh, last episode where I was angry, Arr, growl, Arr. uh, I'm not as angry this week. Um, I did resolve one of the big issues that we talked about last week, and we're going to get to all of that in the second half of the show, but something we started talking about last week and we never got back to David and I got feedback. I, I, I heard from a couple people on Twitter and I actually got an email from people going, what happened to your discussion on Batman versus Superman? Yeah, I thought that myself about an hour after we finished the show. I went, we we never talked about that. How did that happen? Uh, you know, I always listen to the very beginning of the show just to make sure the audio sounded okay before I release it. So I didn't yeah. listen to the whole episode. Uh, sometimes I'll go back and listen to a whole a whole episode, especially if I'm having a really busy week and I'm like, I don't even remember what the hell we talked about last week. Um, yeah. So I kind of catch myself up. 
But what's really fun for me is to go back and listen to like a really older one, like. 240. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, so I, I went back and I listened to just the beginning of it when I was editing the show together. And let's be honest, my editing isn't a whole lot of editing. There's not a lot to edit. Uh, and I heard Batman v Superman. I went, oh, crap, we never got back to that. But it's it's nice to know that our listeners were interested in our opinion. Absolutely, yeah. That, and um... That we set it up and then we didn't follow through. <laughs> That's pretty much like the movie, really. <laughs> it was a metaphor for the movie. <laughs> a lot of setup and uh, flawed execution. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of hype, really poor execution. Yeah. So let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about Superman, Batman, because the listeners obviously they want to hear it. Uh, I would think that people would have been sick of hearing about it by now but you know sometimes you just want to hear the people that um you like listening to or shows that you enjoy you want to hear their opinion of it and uh so that's well, what we're I, going to I do think, on this yeah. one thing you can say about this film whether well, let's, you think it's a good film or a bad film is that it's generated an awful lot of conversation it has that's absolutely the truth and this conversation is going to be full of spoilers for so for those who haven't seen it, and let's be honest, David, most of the people that's listened to this episode has seen this movie. Um, if you don't want it spoiled for you, don't listen to the first half hour because we will spoil the movie quite a bit. And uh, the second half of the show, we'll, we'll get back to last week's show, following up, and a few new things, something that's really... Uh, oh, look, David, There's I have a topic that's going to piss me off. Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Spoilers alert, right? Yep. All right. Batman v Superman. I saw it opening uh, night. What about you? Uh, I saw it the day after you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I took my son to see it over the weekend. So um, yeah, to... he was keen to see it. He was excited. I had, I think I'd said previously on the show, I had some trepidation that there was an awful lot in there and that I was worried about how well it was going to be executed. And um, hey, <laughs> that's kind of out there now. Now, let me be clear here. I I, um, I think I probably disliked it less than you did um, from your comment conversation we had over iMessage after we both seen it. I, you know, I said I didn't hate it. Um, I I think it had some really really major flaws, but I didn't hate it. And I I don't think so. Reading a lot of the comments from people online, I don't think I disliked it as much as many people did. I don't um, want to say I hated it. I didn't hate it. It was not good. But there's a difference between hating something because that's that's kind of a passionate response. Oh, I hated it. Yeah. Uh, there has I hated, uh, for instance, uh, Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man Two with the Electro. I hated it. It was terrible on every level. Yeah. Uh, I hated Spider-Man Three. Oh my god, that was so bad. Uh, I hated X-Men. Whatever. I liked the first two, and then after that, they were just crap. Um, yeah. So there's been a lot of movies I have hated. That's in this genre, but this wasn't one I hated, but it's not one I liked either. I mean, there's so many flaws, but let's, let's keep it positive at the beginning, David. What did you like most about Dawn of Justice? Um, I think the, the best fleshed out character in it. And I know we're going to talk about some of the things this character, you know, that Batman does later on that, that you know, you in particular were kind of a, a angry about. But I think actually the way they set Batman up, um, I like the idea of 
than coming at Batman without the... <laughs> because, all right, they're going to come at Batman without the origin story, except they show the death of his parents again. But apart from that, I like the idea of coming to Batman when he's already been, you know, at, at his thing for a long time and is a little bit twisted and bitter by it. And then the whole Battle of Metropolis happens and he's stuck in the middle of it. I, I thought that was really strong. And I just, you know, it annoyed me they they failed to build off that effectively. But I think actually Ben Affleck as Batman, um, I thought his performance was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. I thought he um, he kind of did the older Batman pretty well. So I like that a lot. Um, you know, I was maybe the only person on the planet, I don't know, that was actually excited when Ben Affleck said he was going to do Batman. I thought he would be a great choice. Yeah. Um, and I knew immediately as soon as I said Ben Affleck, okay, he's going to be an older Batman, which means he's going to have to have a history behind him so they don't have to go through the origin. They don't have to start introducing new characters with every single movie like they always seem to do in these superhero movies. He is a character that's got experience. And I like yeah. that idea of an older, not a green Batman that's that's battle-worn, that's has scars to prove it psychologically and physically. And and I also thought the the kind of the way they did his whole thing, um, you know the uh, the mansion being burnt out and him living somewhere else, Alfred almost being like his you know his, his literal partner, like his maintenance man and his sidekick, rather than you know the voice on the end of the radio, rather than just his butler. I thought um, I thought it was really good and worked really well, and I thought uh, Jeremy Irons did a great job at kind of. You know, still bringing the kind of the things you expect from Alfred, which is, you know, worrying about about the guy's psyche and yet also being completely loyal and completely motivated to help him to whatever he does, because, you know, that's what he does. While at the same time, you know, voicing his dissent and and really saying, you know, being being trying to be his his conscience. I thought all of that was really, really well done. The problem was as soon as Batman had to interact with anybody else, kind of it went a little bit off the rails, particularly you know the way he then they then contrived the setup with the the you know oh well I mean how where where do we go wrong I think Henry Cavill as Superman did the best of what was a terrible terrible job he was given because uh, there's they you know um, Snyder just basically has stripped out of the character everything that makes Superman Superman all of the kind of the hopefulness and the joy. Um, that that you you want that character to bring you um, is gone, and and even when Superman's saving people in this movie, he looks like he's really pissed off. The whole yeah, time. I, I think they should. He looks like, oh, what a drag! I've got to go save people again. Right. You know, well, and you, you contrast you, that with Christopher Reeves in yeah. the first Superman, who takes a, a a joy in being Superman and being colorful. And, you know, there's here's this thief climbing up a building with these suction cups. And he takes one of the suction cups off and he puts it down and there's a foot there. And he yeah. looks up like, what the... I mean, he's climbing up the side of a building and there's a foot and a red boot. And he looks up and there's Christopher Reeve Superman going, hi there. And the guy's like, ah! And he flies down and says, what a joyful, fun Superman. This one, I, I don't think his name is Superman. I think it's Scowl Man. He's scowling about everything. The only I thing think, he's I not think, scowling about is Amy Adams' boobs almost coming out of the bathtub. <laughs> I think I think the problem here is that um, this movie is so um, affected. However, it was written, and um, 
I don't know what the interplay was between the, the writers and Zack Snyder as the director, but it's so much Zack Snyder's personal vision of the world. Uh, and the problem is that makes it very, very sterile. Um, you, you, you meant in the, in this sort of movie, you've got to root for the characters and, and really in Batman v Superman, they've got to try and make it so that half the audience is rooting for one side and half rooting, rooting for the other. And they just fail to deliver that because there's no emotional depth. There. No, because you understand so, so, where Batman's coming from. Look, the beginning of this movie with the battle between Superman and Zod, which happens in Man of Steel, from a ground perspective of Bruce Wayne trying to get to Wayne Financial to get people out of the building to do what he can and fails ultimately, um, looking up and seeing ostensibly gods fighting on Earth is an amazing opening. And it sets yeah. really it it does an awesome job of setting the tone of who Batman is, why he's so ticked off a of Superman, why he doesn't trust this alien. But what they don't do is they don't make you feel anything for the Superman character. So right at the right at the beginning, you get Batman. You understand why he wants yeah. to go after Superman, but you never really get a sense of why Superman doesn't like Batman. They try with the whole, oh, Batman's burning his brand into people, and that means they're going to die in prison. Um, you just don't care about Superman. And, no. and that's the problem. And, and not, not only that, most of the other characters around the around these people, apart from the ones I've mentioned, are, are just they're there to move the plot along. I, after giving this a lot of thought, I, I realized that what, let me down really about this movie um is if you watch a lot of the superhero tv shows the flash arrow something like that yeah this had a lot of the flaws that they have now on a tv show you kind of forgive them because you know that they've got 40 minutes to deliver an entire story so there's going to be some chopping and changing there's going to be some kind of odd scenes where the characters just stand around and talk to each other to kind of expose the plot and kind of uh, set up what they're going to do next but the problem with batman v superman is it, it's structured in exactly that same way and yet it's a 300 million dollar movie yeah. and so that's just not good enough for a movie that you know you've got the time to develop a plot and set everything up and god knows many many superhero films and 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 other films of all different types have fallen into this trap of just being a set of a series of action pieces with um you know a little bit of talking in the middle but this was this this was that writ large, and the problem even then you could kind of forgive it if the talking in the middle made the whole movie make sense. But it doesn't. Everyone in this movie, um, after that first scene with uh, with uh, with Batman in, in in the Man of Steel era, every single action that people makes in the movie, you, half the time you're scratching your head thinking, "What the hell's going? Why would they do that? Why can't they do the obvious thing? Why can't?" these characters use the superpowers you know they have to avoid the plot developments that happen in this film why is the whole world blaming superman for a whole group of guys who got shot it's obvious superman didn't kill them because he doesn't shoot people so if, they, if a whole load of bad well a whole load of bad guys get shot why would that be why will some, some, some people blame superman for that it didn't make any sense from there and then it just went on and on and there's a series of plot point after plot point after plot point and they all become more and more preposterous and it builds up to a climax that just goes nowhere 
absolutely nowhere. And the motivating force behind it, Lex Luthor, you, you don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. No, he's completely out of character. Apart from the fact you're you're, you're basically meant to come into this thinking, oh, I know what Batman is like. I know what Superman is like. I know what Lex Luthor is like. I know what this uh, uh, um, Lois Lane is like. So now I'm going to watch them do things which I think and the director thinks that we all know that they do. Um, And that's basically as far as the plot goes. And, of course, it doesn't work. It's completely emotionless. And so you have no investment in characters. There's a big, supposed to be a big kind of payoff at the end of the movie. And it just left me cold. Anybody who knows the comic books knows what's coming because of the characters in it. You know Doomsday's in it. You know what's going to happen to Superman. Well, and yeah? you, you also know that Superman, they're not going to kill off Superman in this movie. Obviously not. Yeah, because we all know, we could all see halfway through the film the stuff where Warner Brothers had shoehorned in things that clearly weren't, weren't originally there in the plot to lead on to Justice League. Yeah. And they stuck out like a sore thumb because you're all thinking, what the hell's going on? Batman suddenly having visions... Um, in fact I, I read something today and this kind of summed it up for me the bit where Wonder Woman opens up the um, the file from Luther's vault and effectively sees a mini trailer for three separate superhero movies yep. with a logo and everything apparently Lex Luthor designed everybody's logo <laughs> yeah um, and it was it was so obviously tacked on and and i don't yeah i agree with, i agree with what this person said they said they didn't understand why was that in the in the middle of the movie they should have put that as an after credit scene and then it would have been fine yep but instead sticking it in the middle sticking a great big omega symbol dark seed vision in the middle we even see the flash come through a time hole in the middle and nobody knows who the flash is and he's not wearing his costume so you don't even know it's the flash he is wearing his costume it. but he's got but some kind of a metal contraption around it but you couldn't see it properly. I didn't even until the end of the movie. I didn't even realize it was the Flash. And then you're thinking, what the hell's going on? And so Batman has all these visions, and a guy communicates to him through time, and then even never mentions that to anybody again. He just goes, "Oh well, it's just it's bad." It's well, just the crazy. the communicating with him was a vision as well. Yeah, but the point is, why is why is Batman having visions? That's the issue. Um, <laughs> you know, with that plot point. I thought about this afterwards. He's not having visions. He's being psychically uh, communicated with. Somebody else is sending this to Batman because he doesn't have any kind of s- spiritual, uh, supernatural you know, powers that allow him to see I'll in the future. I'll tell you who was communicating with Batman. It was Warner Brothers saying, we've got three more movies to sell after this. Yeah. We've got to make sure they're trailered in this one. And and it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it, not making any sense is really... It should have been Batman v Superman. Don uh, doesn't make sense because yes. nothing in this movie makes sense. Batman is the well, and Wonder Woman is the only character who act as characters. Here's here's the the big issue. Warner Brothers, unlike Disney, Warner Brothers doesn't give a crap about the characters and doesn't give a crap about the source material. They cherry pick the parts that they like. They think will look good on the big screen as this big CGI effect. And which, by the way, the CGI in this movie is pretty bad. It really is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, Doomsday was awful. It's awful. Absolutely awful. It's like that's such a great character. You know, it's Superman's ultimate enemy, and he looked like a rock troll. What? A bad rock troll at that. Well, why not? Why? Number one, why shoehorn him into this movie to begin with? Um, The only character that I thought was 100% in character, because as much as I like 
Batman in this movie, having psychic dreams is not Batman, uh, was yeah. Wonder Woman. And then only because she's hardly in the movie at all. They never develop anything of her character. All you know about her is she's, she's some chick that has powers. She seems pretty cool. She's got a badass theme song. Um, and she really seems to enjoy fighting. Because when Doomsday smacks her around, she, she gets up and smiles like, ha-ha, we're going at and it I, now. I, and, and the thing is, you can't even give Snyder credit for that moment because apparently she um, she did that on the set, Gal Gadot. And, and they were doing take after take, and she did that one of the takes. And he apparently came up to us and said, did you just smirk in that? She said, she said, yeah, I thought it would work with the character, and he kept it in. So even the best things about her character came from the actress and not from the director. I, I don't know why they yeah. gave Zack Snyder this at all. Um, I don't know why they didn't involve DC into making these movies, because they know these characters. Um, but, but, yeah, but do they? Um, that's a whole different conversation. I don't think DC yeah. knows what, what they're doing anymore, either. Um, they're rebooting their entire comic line. Again. Again? Again. <laughs> I know. They're, now I it's know. called Rebirth. It's like, you guys have done this like five times because you don't know what you're doing. You need to fire everyone at the top of DC and bring in people that know what they're doing. Anyway, yeah. let, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's stick with this one because there's so many plot points in this movie that just don't make any sense. There's so many characterizations that don't make any sense. Um why did you say that name? Save yeah. Martha. Who who told you that name? Stupid. Just stupid. But even even that wasn't the worst. I mean, look. So Superman's being set up by by the senator chick to be the the blame blame for everything. Except in one on in one on the one hand, she doesn't want to support Luther when he's trying to do that, and then she's trying to castigate him. Uh, so you your her motivations seem to flip flop every couple of minutes. Uh, for for no good reason whatsoever. But then Superman comes to the Capitol. He's going to appear before the thing. He has X-ray vision and he doesn't catch uh, a bomb in a chair. Yeah, from a guy who shouldn't be there. Yeah, he doesn't see it. Superman does not see it. Superman, who's who's like a god, does not see it. Yeah, it, it's and ridiculous. Not only, not, only that, not only that as well. We all know we've all seen scenes in movies and comics and things as well where Superman can still. Um, it's so quick that if a bomb goes off and he sees what's going on, nobody's going to die. He's going to take he's going to take the explosion out before it get, before it kills anybody. It's it's just it's just a mind numbingly bad. I can understand the. I think if you were to take the story, and you were to take the kind of the you know the bullet points of the story, and write them down. You could do it in such a way that actually they would make sense. That you could say, look, right, okay, so we're going to start with Batman. He's angry with Superman for the destruction he caused, and then we we need to have a world where half the people worship Superman, half, half the people are afraid of him. You could do all of the. You, then we need to to set up the fact that you know Batman doesn't trust Superman, and you know he's worried that he's dangerous, and he he really thinks it's his. He's the only person who's capable of stopping him. And then you have Lex Luthor, who's who's worried about. Um, you know, uh, having this sort of creature on the planet is going to affect his schemes and that sort of thing. You could build all those points up, um, even with the, the inclusion of Wonder Woman and all the other things as well, on a page, and then you could build a, build a, a kind of a you know a, an outline or a or a um, a treatment of that story that would make 
far more sense than what they actually delivered. And I don't know whether it was studio interference. I don't know whether it was the director interfering with the script. I, I don't know what it was. But they took what I think fundamentally at the start was some okay ideas, and they just botched pretty much all of them, except for maybe those first 10 minutes. And right there at that little edit is where uh, Skype just completely disintegrated on us. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, it, you know, I don't want the whole episode to be about this pretty bad movie. Um, yeah. You know, I, I enjoyed watching it. Look, two episodes ago, I said I'm going to go watch this movie. Uh, I'm going to try not to have any preconceptions about it. I'm just going in to enjoy it but it was really hard to do with how botched they they made these characters other than batman and super and uh wonder woman lex luther wasn't needed in this movie at all he was a joke doomsday wasn't needed at all i mean his his origin in the comic books was almost perfect I don't. Did you? Yep. Do you know what his origins were? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, what they did in this movie was horrible. Yeah. They they should have just concentrated. If you wanted to introduce the Justice League in this movie, that would have been fine. All they would have had to do is 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 keep the opening. You understand where Bruce's paranoia about Superman comes from. And then half of the movie is his quest to find other metahumans that he can band together to fight Superman. That's where they get yep. Cyborg. That's where they get Wonder Woman. That's where they get the Flash. Um, it, just those three. Those are the ones he finds. And he bands them together to fight Superman. And they all become friends at the end. The rest of the movie, up till the battle part, is Superman saving the day trying to convince the public he isn't this Jesus figure that they keep some people keep trying to make him out to be because he never does anything in this movie to dispel that notion. Uh, um, and he's also not this evil alien that others want him to believe. He doesn't do anything to dispel that notion either, except for scowl when he walks into Congress and lets it all blow up. Um, there, this movie could have been so much better. And it deserved to be so much better for as, as many fans has been waiting so long to see this and as much hype was surrounding it. I put the, the blame squarely on, on Warner Brothers. It's, this is not Zack Snyder's fault. I mean, you, you can't be mad at a cobra for biting you. That's what a cobra is going to do. I know what you mean. This is, this is his thing, and he was given free reign, and uh, he delivered to the you know his vision the problem is his vision is not really compatible with these characters um that that's the problem and yep. and i you know i i do think that he had the whole oh you've got to make it the start of the justice league thing um thrust on him during production which i think has derailed them somewhat um so you know I, i'm prepared to give him a little bit of credit for that because um, again, that is Warner Brothers' fault because they're seeing exactly, the success yeah. of Marvel and they're like, we we have to do that, but we can't we can't take the time that Marvel spent five years building up to this Avengers movie. We want to have the Justice League immediately. So let's start with Batman versus Superman. That leads right into Justice League. Yeah, 
Yeah, but I, I think where I do blame Snyder is that is that this is he has he he suffers too much from hubris. He thinks every idea he has is a brilliant idea, and and he has only as much regard for the characters in this universe as it as, fits that vision as, as it fits his vision. Yeah. And and a, a prime example of that is what happens to Jimmy Olsen in this movie, who is is so undermined the fact that you don't even it's a, you don't even find out to the credits that it was Jimmy Olsen. But basically, uh, and he tells about this afterwards, and it's such a dick comment what he said. He's, he said, oh, we thought it'd be fun to play with the audience and have the uh, the uh, CIA guy get, who gets killed at, at the beginning be Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. So you see, you know, Lois Lane's in trouble. She's got a photographer with her. And, um, you know, of course, you immediately think, oh, that must be Jimmy Olsen because he's always the photographer with Lois Lane. And then it turns out he's a CIA informant and the bad guys blow him away in front of her. Um, and as far as Zack Snyder's concerned, that's a, a cool and fun thing to do. Yeah, one of the oh, I'm not no respect that. for characters. No, yes, it's not. It's not. It's not a case of the fact they killed him off. No, he doesn't care about the fans. He doesn't yeah. care about the characters. He All he care cares about, about is his vision, and that's it. Exactly. And and he thought, oh, that'd be a, a you know, not only not only is it a nasty scene. Yeah, it's also completely redundant. I mean, Lois Lane is there. She's surrounded by. 15 20 guys in the middle of the desert all armed to the teeth i mean you don't need you don't need to introduce more menace to that scene. it was stupid it was it was pointless and it was what this entire movie was a slap in the face to anybody who cares about these characters That's because right. the because the people in charge of them they don't care about these characters, yeah. and, and and I think I think you know that's the problem with snyder is that is that he only cares about these characters as far as what he can do with them it, the, you know basically Warner Brothers gave him a three million three hundred million dollar toy box and he played in it and um and his attitude him. is if you don't like how I play tough mm-hmm. yeah and um I said this on Twitter and I said it on Facebook it's not ever going to happen but Warner Brothers should just stop they should immediately approach Disney sell DC to Disney for $10 billion. It's a lot more than they just paid for Star Wars, but $10 billion. And allow Disney over the next 10 years to roll the DC characters into the Marvel Universe. And just be done with it. Just be done with it. Mm -hmm. And some people will know because then Disney will have a monopoly. Really? Because no other company could ever create a superhero? (laughs) Including Warner Brothers, because they clearly... The, the people at Warner Brothers and DC clearly don't know what they're doing when it comes to these characters. And it's sad because these are such iconic characters that were dealt a huge disservice in a big-budgeted, highly-marketed movie that left most people disappointed. Well, here's another thing as well that kind of annoys me about the whole business side of this, yeah, is they marketed the heck out of this movie. They must have spent nearly as much as they made producing the film on marketing it. Why do that? I mean, it's Batman versus Superman. The thing will sell itself. They gave why away do... the entire movie in, in yeah, the second well, yeah, preview. So why not? Why do the whole blitz marketing thing? No, doesn't make I, I any don't, sense. Why, why throw all that money away? Because then you've got a movie that has to return, you know, probably one and a half billion dollars just to break even. Yep, it, it's just stupid. Absolutely stupid. Hey, let's let's change the subject real yeah. quick before we take our break and talk about something really cool. Did you see the Rogue One trailer? I did. In fact, you know what? I watched it just this afternoon. Oh my god! 
For those no. who don't know, Star Wars just re- Disney just released a new Star Wars trailer for the movie coming out this Christmas season, Star Wars Rogue One, and it's well, the movie. It's actually, yeah, it's actually called Rogue One: A Star Wars Story. Just, so, it's, who cares? It's, it's well, Rogue One. Well, no, because I, th- I think because let's let's make this let's make this clear what this is. This is. This is kind of a spin-off from the Star Wars movie. It's a this prequel, is... David. Oh no! Oh no! It's a prequel. <laughs> it's a prequel. You know, I. You know what though? I could almost already see the criticism uh, when I watched the trailer because I thought the trailer was really good. Oh my and god! I, 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 I haven't I, seen any criticism of it that's yeah. negative. Well, no, I see some coming though. That's maybe closer towards the movie, and I'll get to that in a minute. So, so Rogue One is basically the story of how the rebels get the plans to the Death Star in the first movie. Oh, you know, first thing that's geek point that's really pissing me off is all the people on Twitter going, oh, how many Bothans died to get this information? It's like, no, that's from the third movie. That's not from Star Wars. That's right. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah then, but then, the, uh, so, so yeah, it's about uh, a kind of a Suicide Squad type thing. It's a group of, of misfits who are sent by the Rebellion to go and steal the plans for the Death Star so that uh, Luke can then go and torpedo it to, with the Force or whatever. Um, so I think it's a great idea. Uh, I think um, from the trailer it shows that you're going to... You're really going to... In, in a way that you couldn't even see in the original Star Wars trilogy because of when they were made, you're going to see the Empire at the height of its powers, and that really excites me. When they you show know. the Death Star and there's like six or seven Star Destroyers and they're just dwarfed by this thing. Yeah, right, and, oh, you know... As they're moving see, a deflector shield into place. There's a massive oh. battle scene where they're running around and they're surrounded by um, by AT-AT walkers. And they're uh, huge. The, yeah, the, gro- the, the floor-up visuals of an AT-AT is just like, yeah, whoa... This this is going to be really good. Yeah. The criticism I think is going to come when people are going to go. Mm, they got another British chick as the star. Isn't this becoming a bit of a cliche? I, I don't care who the character is when it looks that good. Yeah, I, she, and she, looks I, and I love the way they've, they've dressed her. She looks like she looks like a young badass female Han Solo in this film. Yeah, it uh, it looks really really good, and I think it's going to be. It, this is going to be a different kind of ride to The Force Awakens because The Force Awakens was all about recapturing the mythos and taking it forward. And this, this is going to be just like a you know a kick-ass action adventure in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. It's, going to be, it's what yeah. the video games and the books have been doing for years and years yeah. that George Lucas wouldn't would never put on film. But good creators said, "Look at the sandbox we have. We could really do some really really cool stuff here." And George, for the most part, let a lot of people play in that same box in the quote-unquote expanded universe. And it showed. Some of those stories were some of the best stories ever written. But you'll never see them on film. Well, now, if someone has a really great Star Wars story, it could actually be filmed. Because guess what? Disney's all about it. So I hear, um, I hear they're um, courting Zack Snyder to do the next one. Yeah, good. Thank goodness. <laughs> We, we need one that doesn't show any daylight ever, and everything is dark and in shadows, and everyone's brooding. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. It's we'll, Kylo Ren right there. It's Kylo Ren. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Here we go! Curious about Nintendo? Well, check out the Nintendo Club podcast. This podcast is done twice a week. We dive into all things Nintendo. We dive into retro. We dive into current games, what we're playing, what cool Nintendo news is going on. Check it out here at the Spotlight Network, the Nintendo Club podcast. We broadcast this live out every Sunday evening starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. 
Check out the NintendoClubPodcast.com website for more information. Back here on the Stoplight Network's Tech Fan Podcast, episode 250. 250. So last week, David, let's get to this before we get into the uh, new business. Okay. Last week, one of the things I was very upset about was the fact that I bought the new Star Wars movie um, on iTunes. As soon as it got done downloading, I went to play it, and I couldn't. That I got the copy protection, cannot be played on this monitor, blah, 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 right? Yeah, I'm castigated. Um, the movie industry and the tech industry and everyone. Yeah. The only person I didn't do that with was myself. Yeah. So for those who think, you know, Tim gets angry and never takes blame on anything himself. I don't know if anybody thinks that, but you know, uh, it was a hundred percent my fault, David. How so? So I posted on Twitter that I was unable to play this and I was unhappy with iTunes and blah, blah, blah. And Apple actually reached out to me. And so after a few go rounds on Twitter, direct messaging, um, they've obviously seen this before and it sounded like they were trying to say something that was wrong with my system and I wasn't believing them. (laughs) But one of the things your system, yeah, (laughs) one of the things they said was, do you have any of these three things installed? And I thought, hmm, one of those sounds familiar. And it's called Air Parrot and Air Parrot. I downloaded a couple years ago that would allow me to send my Mac screen over to my Apple TV and use that as a second or third monitor. But I haven't used it in forever. Right. But it was installed. So Uh, with that bit of a clue, I went, I looked, I found it, I deleted it, I got rid of some of the extension crap that they put in there, rebooted my machine, and the movie played. What happens is that piece of software creates a virtual monitor, which you cannot play uh, copy-protected movies on. Right. Because it's not, what is it, HDCP, whatever, uh, compliant. So even though I wasn't running the software, it had installed a few things that allowed me to launch it and use another television that's connected to an Apple TV as a secondary monitor virtually. So just having that virtual monitor that wasn't even running, but having it installed on my system is what caused the problem. Wow. So I will give it up to uh, Apple's Twitter support. I know a lot oh, of people kind that. of derided them up on that. We're like, oh, and quite, in fact, I think we recent, did. We we're like, well, oh, yeah, good for you, Apple. You're finally on Twitter. Well, you know what? They yeah. saw that I was having a problem. They were trying to set up a phone call that was going to happen this Monday. But uh, and by the way, the whole thing was solved on Friday after we recorded the podcast. Hey, hang on a minute. Apple were going to call you to yeah. talk through your sit. Well, that that's that's a, in a good way. That's amazing, right there and then. Yeah, they wanted to give me a call. They were asking me when the best time to call was, and I said, "Well, Monday will be a good day." But we continued the conversation via direct messaging on Twitter, 
And sure enough, one of their suggestions led me to the sol- to solving the problem. I was like, you know what? I think one of those things were installed. It's been a long time. Did a search, found it in my applications folder, got rid of it. Uh, went to that company's website, Air Parrot. Uh, found the instructions for how do you uninstall this and what all the pieces are. Found them all, got rid of them, rebooted the machine, and the problem went away. Well, I mean, props to Apple. As I say, it's amazing that they were prepared to go that far to to try and get it working for you. I, I mean, I'm really impressed with that because most companies would say, uh, well, yeah, you know, they, they might offer you a few suggestions over Twitter and that sort of thing, and then they'd probably go, oh, we've got to raise a support ticket and maybe somebody will get back to you. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed that they were working so hard to fix it and that they did fix it. I'm really good. It, it I, yeah, I got to give them credit. You yeah. know, la- last week I took Apple to task for quite a few things, not just this, but quite a few things. So when they do something right, especially if it's on my behalf, <laughs> yeah, I I got to give them credit. So kudos uh, to Apple; they did a really good job here. They they solved my problem. I I didn't. I never would have thought that a piece of software that I installed three years ago or more would come back and bite me on the butt like this. But it absolutely did. Not only that, I'm just to search the help forums for Air Parrot by putting in the uh, phrase HDCP, and the only uh, thing it's got is, can I mirror Netflix in my Apple TV or Chromecast? It says, unfortunately not. Netflix does not support AirPlay mirroring due to HDCP content. Believe Below is a link that explains what this is, and it goes to the Wikipedia page for HDCP. But... Um, it doesn't actually say on here, oh, we'll mess up your iTunes movies if you have our software installed. Which I, I, I should, should probably do. write a, an article on this, but yeah, yeah maybe I will. And more for the fact that it could help people in the future when they Google this issue and they find it. But yeah, that was the issue. It was solved, and it was thanks to Apple's support. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Really good news. Dorothy on uh, Twitter also was having issues. She can't play HD movies. Um, her, I, I believe she reached out to Apple as well, and they said, yeah, it's going to download the HD version by default. So you have to go in your preferences. You have to go to uh, something and click do not send me HD movies. And then it will send you the standard definition movies. But... <laughs> I wanted to tell her that's that's great. I'm glad you're, you know, able to download and watch the one that will work on your computer. Why bother? If you can't see this in HD, don't just don't. I mean, it, it's the new Star Wars movie. You're going to watch it in standard def. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. St- standard def on a on a low lower res screen is probably better than nothing. Yeah, could be. Could be. Um, don't, don't, I, be a, don't be an HD snob. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of uh, snobs, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Sony released an update to the PS4 that finally turned on functionality that they talked about when they first announced the PS4, and that's remote play functionality. Uh, in effect, if you're on a PC or, drumroll please, a Mac, you could play your or control your PS4 remotely. You could be at work. Well, I would. You, you could be at home. Well, you could play games. Uh, okay. 
I, 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 I must admit, I never really understood the point of this feature. Okay, let's say, uh, let's say, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Exactly. My, my PS4 is, for me, it's in the same room that my computer's in, but let's say the, the PS4 is in the family room and one of the kids are watching a movie, but I want to play a game on my PS4. I can go to my Mac, plug in the PS4 controller via USB to my machine, and run a piece of software that you can download for free called PS4 Remote Play from okay. Sony, and it will, over the network, turn on your PS4, and it, it you can go full screen on your Mac or PC, and it's like sitting in front of your PS4, except the resolution isn't very good, and... For me, anyways, it disconnects every 15 seconds. So, technically, so it's not working. See, see that that's what worried me. Because, I, I mean, in my job, uh, you know, I deal with a lot of enterprise software. And one of the things people do is is um, um, kind of thin client machines. Yeah, where you, Citrix you, and... You see, yeah, Citrix and uh, virtual machines, that sort of thing, where you basically you stream a desktop running on a server somewhere to your uh, to your screen and you get the video screen and then the keyboard and mouse stuff gets sent back and audio and that sort of thing but one of the things is well known that for being really bad at is is hd video and anything that requires quick responses because it's all going to go over the network and the networks have a lot of latency in them so it doesn't surprise me it doesn't work very well um I, here's the problem no. for me anyways it it's going through the internet I'm on the same Wi-Fi network as the PS4. Why doesn't just stream it directly over Wi-Fi? So, so that is there's there's the the crux of the problem right there. Given what I've just said about how badly this works over a network, the fact that you have a direct route between you and the and the PlayStation, and instead it doesn't use it, but goes over what's going to be a slow and congested connection yep. right out to the internet and back again to you. And I've got a fast connection, by yeah. the way. Which means, well, that that means the thing is stillborn before it starts. There's a reason that Sony have taken so long to get this feature out because they know it sucks. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna let them update it and see what happens. I'll try it later today, gonna... maybe tomorrow morning, real early. Not see if them. network congestion's a little better. See if it works. But my gut feeling tells me is this is kind of going to be stillborn. Unfortunately, if it's if it's connecting through the internet, it's never going to work right. No, I agree. We got some uh, uh, a tweet from um, Scott uh, talking about gaming on the Apple TV, and he said, "Yeah, also I think Apple helped make the Apple TV a gaming failure by requiring all games to support the Apple TV remote, even uh, even if they support other controllers." Yeah, he's right there. That doesn't help. I don't think that's the only reason. No, <laughs> uh, but I, I think. I think yes, it, it definitely. Well, definitely. he said he Apple helped make it a failure because of this. Yeah, that's one yeah. of the reasons. And by the way, he said he laughed very hard at the rotary phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's right, though. I mean, yeah, the Apple. I still don't have an Apple TV three. Uh, I don't. It's it's not in my future as far as I can tell right now. It's it. I don't see a point in it to be honest. No. no um, I'm using. I'm still not using my Apple TVs that I have very often. I'm honestly, I'm using. If it's something in iTunes that's copy protected, like 
you know, the force awakens. Okay. Then I'll use the Apple TV in the other room or an Avengers movie. But most of the stuff that I have is not copy protected like that. And I'm streaming it through Plex. Thus, I'm not using the Apple TV. I'm using the Fire TV. Yeah. And it uh, works pro- great. Uh, the problem the Apple TV has now, uh, even with apps and everything, is that most TVs can do a lot of this stuff straight out of the box. Yep. You don't need the extra device. That's right. Most of them... I mean, the TV up in our living... in our our bedroom i originally was going to put an apple tv on there so we could watch movies and and stuff like that we found it's just easier to stick the uh stick the uh shows we want to watch on a usb stick and stick it in the back of the tv yeah and just stream them straight off the usb stick nothing's worse than trying to watch something and then you get the buffering thing i haven't seen that in a while but oh my god you're on a slow connection we're on a slow connection but um uh, obviously, stuff streaming off the the NAS would not be affected by that. Right. If we were plexing stuff, but the thing is, is that good as Plex is to my wife, it's another kind of tech thing that she has to get through to to get to watch her shows. Whereas she she kind of understands the idea of just pressing source on the remote until it goes to USB and then seeing a list of files and playing one. So uh, for her, that's that's kind of the lowest friction way of doing it. You know, you were talking about uh, ad blockers. Yeah, and what you use? Well, I actually I haven't been using ad blockers. Um, I actually followed your link that was in the Tech Fan podcast notes uh, in the, yeah. under two fifty to ublock because you sent me that link, uh-huh. and I installed it in Chrome. And right. wow, what a huge difference it makes! <laughs> um, it? Everything is so much faster browsing the internet, and it's yeah. amazing because it puts this little thing up by the address bar. With a number, and that's how many ads it's blocked since you've been on that page. Yeah. <laughs> 60, 70, Well, 80. here's the thing. This is what I don't get. I am, uh, well, I'll just pull up like, uh, and by the way, TechFan and my Mac do have some things that it's blocking, and it's the uh, little squares. And they're hosted locally, but still. No, the, but one of the nice things about uBlock is that, if you go to a site you do want to support, it's very easy just to whitelist that site, and then it won't block the ads anymore for that just for that site. So if you do have, if you do feel that you know that you do want to support a particular site and you don't find the ads too obtrusive, it's two clicks to turn them back on for that site. So you're you're getting your page your page hits registered again. Well, here's the thing: I just went to CNN.com as you're talking, and it blocks 16 different things, hmm. but the page loads immediately now. It's the the difference is amazing, but here's what's scary, David. Now we use Google Docs for our show notes, mm-hmm. and there's nothing on the page except for what we type on the page, right? Yeah. Except for some reason, UBlock has blocked at this point since we've had it open and started this conversation. Now, 118 different ads. What ads? What are they? Well, it's, it, no, it won't be. It also blocks tracking cookies and stuff. So uh, it's blocking some of the tracking stuff that Google does. Yeah, trying to see what but, we're typing and looking yeah, exactly. for keywords so they can serve ads on those later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it's up to uh, 118 still. But every few seconds it clicks to another one. Um, but thanks for the link, man. I, I really like this piece of software. It's free. There is a paid version as well, but I'm just using the free one. Uh, so far, I really like it. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. This, um, <laughs> I got an email right before we started recording. Let me uh, fire up my email to see if they've responded. You, you don't hear it, but I just got a little 
thing saying blah blah blah. Uh, have they replied? They have not. Wait, wait, mail still coming in. Nope, no reply. So I get this email. I get these all the time. You know, as a publisher, yeah. Um, I get a lot of marketing companies reaching out to me, pitching stories and ideas and all kinds of stuff. It's not just companies wanting reviews. It's also, hey, I represent this company. They just came out with this um, whatever it is, the survey results, and our CE, their CEO would love to come on your show and talk about it. I get those yeah. almost on a daily basis. Well, this one came in, and it's talking about the Apple Watch. And wanting to know if I want to talk to their CEO, which I don't. Mm -hmm. But key results from the survey include 8% of Americans say they own an Apple Watch. Over three in five owners plan to upgrade to the next edition when it comes out. Apple product users, notably iPhone users, are more likely to purchase an Apple Watch in the next year. As opposed to who? those? Because you have to have stupid... Uh, the public is equally divided on whether the Apple Watch is a, is a successful product and whether the majority of Americans will use smartwatches 10 years from now. Now, I usually delete these, David, and don't even yeah. respond. But this one, something bothered me about this. And it was the very first thing. 8% of Americans say they own an Apple Watch. That's what they're saying their survey told them. Their survey is full of shit. So I just, on a hunch, went to the population of the United States, and it gave me what it was from 2015, and I took 15, or, uh, 8% of that number, which, by the way, is 8% of the number was 25,715,361. So they're saying their survey says... Almost 26 million Americans bought an Apple Watch. Bullshit. They're out of their freaking mind. <laughs> that is such a fabrication. Where, 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 do they, where do they survey five people and go, well, according to these five people, if we extrapolate that number, they're well, out of their that's, mind. That's exactly what they've done. They've taken a certain, a certain sample size and then they've extrapolated out now i'm looking at uh, apparently this comes off the fluent platform yep which is some adobe powered no it's so full of marketing D digital marking milliseconds matter please always it's, on it's, consumers it's, all that stuff so so this is yeah it's some sort of so uh, according survey. to their survey which is a complete fabrication and which they provide no information about no of course not and yeah. you don't know anybody who's ever got the survey. Neither do I. And we're tech people, right? So if if that's right, Apple last year sold 75 million iPhones. So if their number was right, every third person who bought an iPhone also bought the Apple Watch for at a you minimum know, 300 bucks. If Apple Watch was selling that well, Apple would be telling us about it. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? That's all they would be talking about. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think I, I don't think Apple Watch is selling badly. I have no idea what their expectations were. I think it's actually selling okay, only okay. I don't think it's a blockbuster product, but I agree. Nowhere, near, nowhere near twenty-five million. No, a year. no. no. I I would be amazed if it I was anywhere near five million. Well, I think it's probably worldwide. 
probably between five and six million a year. Right, but they're talking think, about just the U.S. Yeah, of course they are. And, they, and that's another thing as well is on the Internet, they can tell exactly where people are. No, they can't. So my reply to these was, <laughs> your numbers are fraudulent. If 8% of Americans have an Apple Watch, that would be 25,715,361 watches Apple sold in the last year. Or one of every three iPhone owners who purchased an iPhone in 2015 also spent at least $300 on an Apple Watch. I call your survey BS. <laughs> I haven't got a response back. I don't yeah, know why. I don't think so. I don't think you will. Or if you will, you're going to get some kind of aggressive defensive what, what they do but you know yeah, one of the things is I, I thought you'd be interested in a story around apple watch one year later a hit sort of well if you went by your survey response that <laughs> you're what do you mean sort of that, that yeah. according to your survey apple sold almost 26 million i watches they're flogging the story and they oh. want to flog it to people who want to dump on the apple watch as well as people who want to celebrate the apple Watch. we should flog so, their brains so because that, that's that's why they've got to have have a headline that could be one or the other you know it's it's or is it, it well yeah if they sold 26 ahead. million that would be a freaking huge massive hit it'd be then, front page got, of cnn got this stuff here at the bottom the public is about equally divided on whether the apple watch is a successful product or and whether the majority of americans will use a smartwatch 10 years from now they just you do think they're just lining up for one of those bull pieces that at the end goes will the apple watch succeed only time will tell uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you be the judge <laughs> you know i've got to hold on a minute uh, i'm don't have my headphones on david i'm moving over here for something uh, I'm just going to pull this over here. <sighs> okay. You ready? All right. I know Scott liked the sound effects last week. You ready for my sound effect for when I hear about stuff like this? Go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anyways. Yeah. And, and that, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, was a real sound effect. <laughs> I got to dry fire it there. There's nothing in it. Yeah. Tim's packing heat, and he's looking for bullshit marketers. I'll do, I'll do it again. I bet that's really loud on the show, by the way. It is. Because <laughs> it's real. I'm frightened, and I'm well that, out of range. That, that, that isn't soundboard, Guy Searle. <laughs> you Yankees and your love of the firearms. I hate, I hate guns. I do. I don't like guns at all, but I do own a 12-gauge shotgun. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why some other time. Okay. Um, and it has to do with I was on the road all the time. Yeah. It's also why I have two big dogs. Anyways, um, last thing. Let's. I don't know if I want to start covering this right now because it's it's a really, really big topic. Uh, and I've got a lot to say on it. And we're coming up on our so, one so hour. So I, I, have, I have one thing that I wanted to mention. A little bit of kind of All right, we'll off. save this then. Yeah. This this isn't the show notes, so so this is going to be cold for you. So I mentioned uh, last week, or the week before, about the... Um, about the power, the power P, uh, the power PC Mac I was using the uh, PowerBook. Yeah, um, and and I said one of the, uh, you know, this is this is how how you can be caught up by events. Said one of the things you can do with these old machines is run older versions of great software like um, Photoshop and Office, and they're just as good as the latest versions if you've got minimal requirements. And you know, isn't it great that you can get all this great old software cheap? So. This week, I went to install Office 2008 on my, my new old PowerBook. And uh, I have the disk because I 
paid for a copy of Office 2008 for Mac for um, for myself. So I installed the software, and of course it's the original version, which was released in 2008, so it's been patched quite a lot since then. So I go to do the Microsoft auto-update, and it doesn't work. And it actually comes up and it says, um, oh, you need to go to, in, in the, the kind of the, the progress bar, it says you need to go to this link and install this software manually. Ma- manually. So I figure, oh, well, you know, it's an old version of OS X, it's probably why you have to do that. So I go to the link, and it doesn't work. <laughs> right? So I figured, oh, they've moved the page and this sort of thing. So I start searching, and I find pages that explain exactly what updates I need and where I can get the auto-update from and everything, and every single link on the Microsoft it's site, dead. so all the patches are gone. Yeah. And then I find, find that apparently... Microsoft decided a couple of years ago that they weren't going to support anything beyond 2011 because 2011 is the gateway to Office 2016, which is the subscription version. And they basically they pulled all the patches and all the support information. You can still find links on their sites, even in their support documents, but the links are all dead. And I, I just – my mind boggles that a company the size of Microsoft can think it's a great idea, because these patches weren't just bug fixes of the security and all that sort of thing in there. They could just decide, oh, yeah, we don't care where you bought that software, you know, five years ago, something like that. Um, we don't support it anymore, and that means we won't even host the files that we wrote to fix bugs we left in our software. Yeah. That you know, doesn't surprise me a bit, unfortunately. It, but but the point is, the upgrade path they're offering people doesn't work on their computers. No, nope. not everybody can run that software. It's it's just crazy, and I, and you know what? I think it's I think it's really bad. It's really poor. It I I'm you with know. you 100. Uh, percent And so anyway, do you know how? And I found we're not the and we're not going to have to single Microsoft out on this either. No, by the way. That's, this isn't the first one. This isn't the only one by any stretch. You know how I found found the patch in the end? Torrent. I found a torrent with the software in it yeah. with all the patches included. Yeah. And, of course, if Microsoft came across that and found out who was torrenting it, they'd probably send a cease and desist. Exactly. Terrible. So, anyway. It goes right along with with Blizzard shutting down a pirate World of Warcraft server. Yeah, that's right. For a piece of software they don't support anymore. Yeah, that was from 2006. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, These big companies, they, they, they see us as dollar signs. They don't give a shit about our rights. Our data, our security, they don't care about anything. All we are is something cash to stick cash. in the cash register, and that's it. That's all we are. And I've said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. I've always been a consumer advocate at heart. Um, I, 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 that's just not going to change. I hate it when people get screwed over. I hate yeah. it when the big companies, who, by the way, are made up of people, it's not like they're just these giant entities that's faceless. It's people. And, yeah. it's, and it's pieces, garbage people in these companies that are screwing other people over so they can yeah. get a bigger bonus next year. It's disgusting. It is. So let me say to any of our listeners who do ever want to run Office 2008, um, email me. I have the patches, and I will gladly put them up somewhere for you to download them. Or just search a pirate torrent site no no because it was really hard to find and, was it um yeah I, it took me about two days to actually pull them all together um so it really wasn't very easy at all so owen, i wouldn't recommend anyone doing that so owen rubin sent out to the uh my mac staff list this week that he was looking for a copy of mac os 6 
And um, someone pointed to a website, and they were it was a dead link, and somebody else had them, and they just shared them in their Dropbox, and Owen got the files that yep. needed that way. And I'll do that for anybody who wants these patches for Office 2008. Very nice of you, David. And shame on Microsoft for uh, deleting all those down. It doesn't cost them a dime. Of course it doesn't. Well, no, they've got the websites there already. They've got the software already. So, and if, by the way, Microsoft, if you listen to this and you come after me for my Dropbox sharing, then you'll be hearing that sound that Tim made before again. There you go. <laughs> got a little present for you there, Microsoft. No, we would never, ever condone violence. Ever. The threat of violence, of course. On the oh, well, yeah, that's Quite different. useful. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Keep people in line, you know. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We would love to get feedback from you, the listener. Very easy to do. Simply send an email to the show at techfanpodcast.com or leave a comment at either mymac.com, techfanpodcast.com, or stoplightnetwork.com. You'll find the show notes for episode 250 at all three of those websites. You can comment on any one of those, and we'll read those comments here on the show. We do appreciate you listening. And uh, we'll see you in a week.